welcome back to Queen Tables Talk with my guest, my co-host today. I hope everybody's doing great on this Friday evening that God has blessed us in, has decided to bless us in today. Welcome, 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 one and all that's tuning in. Welcome, my queens, Angel and Nikki from the Kicking It With Your Girls podcast and the queen herself. One half of the Things About Us <laughs> podcast, Fiana. How are you ladies doing tonight? Doing well. Thank you for asking. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm keeping it in the road. I'm holding it in the middle. Being Victoria. You don't know which one you're going to get today. You might get Victoria. You might get Vicky. <laughs> we shall see. Uh, right. We will, right. Me and all my shenanigans, Miss Vida. <laughs> so, ladies, I am so glad to have my queens on today, my co-host. I have one question for my new co-host, kicking it with your girls. And we like to start our show off with asking, how do you feel about being a Black woman in today's world? And we'll start with you, Miss Angel. All right. Um... If you would have asked me this before the pandemic, I probably would have had a different answer. But honestly, I, I like being a black woman in today's world. I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like if anything else, black women are getting acknowledged more than what they were in the past. And then it's not even by choice. It's more so like you're being forced to love us, whether you do or not. I mean, let's look at Simone Biles. Let's look at Shikari, uh, um, the the runner. All of them are like doing great and they're forcing you to love them even though you tried to count them out, but you can't, you know? So Mm -hmm. I I like it. (laughs) Yay. What about you, Miss Nikki? Yeah, the same. I, I love being a black woman, especially when you see how far we've come and how far we can go, you know, just paying attention to that. You know, sometimes, you know, just living in being yourself and re- realizing who you are as a black woman, you know, it's, it's encouraging, it's motivating. And I, I am enjoying my journey <laughs> as a black woman. We embrace it. We embrace our blackness. We are queens. Absolutely. We're we going to embrace our crowns. We're going to fix them crowns that they tried to make crooked. Ain't that right, Fee? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So I had a whole lot of the thoughts. I didn't know which way I wanted to go with today's uh, episode. But then I got to thinking, because I'm, I'm over the 50 line, and I said, you know what? Healthcare, going to the doctor and playing them co-pays is an extra bill the older that you get. Do, it, do y'all agree with me? It's an extra bill. You know how yes. you used to go once a year, but now you if they find something or if they want to do some tests or whatnot, it seems yeah. like it's an extra bill every month. I wanted to dive in a little bit of healthcare, and then there's some things that I saw or was listening to, like the young lady that um, her doctor told her to, to abort her child because she wouldn't be able to carry it to full term, and she went to three or four different doctors. Finally, got to a African American doctor, and they told her she has choices. So then it got me to thinking about my healthcare. 
my doctors and do we ask for second opinions? Do we go and get second opinions or we just take them at their word for our health? And how do you feel about your doctors today? I mean, I'm kind of, I'm in between. I'm in between. I have some good physicians, but if I had my preference, all of my doctors would be African-Americans. I'm just going to keep it real. (laughs) I agree with you 100%. Like, I go out of my way to find black doctors. Like, that's my search. Before, you know, they showed the pictures, I would look at the name and guess, like, oh, is this a sister? Is this a brother? I don't know, you know, but... And then they invented Google, so now you can Google and see. So I tried, like, my OB is black. I, I went above and beyond to find her. It, it was very hard because they tend to hide them in the state in which we live in. You really have to dig deep. But I wish I could find a black pediatrician, a black um, normal, like your regular doctor, like a black doctor for everything you need one for. Because I feel like they know us more versus other doctors and all of them may not be that way but you feel like you just being rushed you just the number on the paper and they just gonna swipe your insurance card like a visa so i agree with you victoria like black doctors are i would love to just have a whole roster of black doctors on my team (laughs) i do i feel that way i uh i had threatened a heart attack about two years ago and the third doctor that I got to was a black doctor. They were doing all this, all these tests that I felt like was just running up my insurance and sending me to friends. And I finally got a hold of a black one and he said, you know what? He said, get some rest. He said, take the summer off, get some rest. Your numbers were off the chart, but you got to think They've scared you up and had you go on seeing so many different people doing so many different things. He said, my prescription to you is to get some rest. And I went back in and it, my, norm, my, my numbers were normal. And it got me to thinking as well as at my church, they had a couple health fairs and a couple doctors, African-American doctors come in and talk to us at the church about knowing our numbers, about our blood pressure, being diabetics, all those things. And I found out a lot of valuable information. But like you said, Angel, they're not in certain states. They are hard to find because when I tell you the congregation was bombarding these doctors (laughs) trying to get on their list, they were already full. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest um, That's the biggest thing now is trying to find one that you can get into. And I know here, after the pandemic, it just became uh, almost impossible uh, to get an African-American doctor. Um, I will tell you my experience in the past, I have had bad experience with male doctors and me being a female. And it started with uh, my primary care physician, you know, way back when I had first got married the first time, fairly young. Um, I have PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. I didn't know at the time 
I just know at the age of 15, I started having irregular periods. That was just a thing for me. I would skip a month here and there. By the time I got to college, I was going um, anywhere from three to six months, you know, in between periods. So when I got married, I had talked to my primary care physician. Um, well, let me back up a little bit. Even before I got married and was curious about, you know, what's going on with me, um, I would go in, you know, when you go into the doctor's office as a woman, the very first question they ask you is when was your last period? And it would get to the point where I would come in and he would say, when was your last period? And he was like, oh yeah, I forgot. You you, you don't have regular periods. And then just go on. Uh, That's not normal very though. In, <laughs> exactly. Very wow. inconsequential to him. And yeah. so after I think maybe the third time, I was like, okay, I didn't care for it because you are clearly unconcerned about my health. That doesn't raise any red flags for you. And he was a young Asian doctor. Mm. So I talked to him about, you know, wanting to find out what's going on with me because I have irregular periods. So he referred me to a fertility specialist, another white man. I go into the doctor, explain what's going on. He immediately writes me a prescription for fertility pills. Uh. No examination, no history, no nothing. I just tell him, I'm having irregular periods, you know, I'm married, thinking about having children, want to know what's going on. Immediately writes a prescription. So I, I'm like, okay, well, that's odd. So I take the pills the first month, still no period. And so, you know, as they tell you what these pills do, you know, will increase your chances of ovulation. Um, and then you can uh, release multiple eggs at a time. Uh -huh. Second month, I was like, I was like, you know what? I'm going to stop these pills because I don't want to get pregnant with 18 babies at one time. And two, <laughs> I still don't know what's wrong with me. All right. So I found, and like I, you know, you have to become an advocate for yourself. So I found me a female gynecologist within less than three weeks knew exactly what was wrong with me. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. What was going on. You know, so that was my my bad experience, you know, with doctors. And at that time, it wasn't a thing to look for black doctors. I'm kind of dating myself because I'm um, I'm in the in the 50 club too. So <laughs> you but, are. <laughs> yes, I am I am 50. I will be 51 next month. Yeah, we talked about it on our last Queen talk. I can't wait to <laughs> <laughs> have you all over my social media representing <laughs> but, um, but yeah so that was my first experience uh, bad experience medical wise with doctors you know not paying attention not really caring about your health or what's going on and like I said for me at the time it was having a male doctor versus female doctors uh, okay. so yeah. a I'm a firm decision. believer in um and asking questions and knowing what's going on with me. Like, I have no problem asking you, why are you saying this? What do you subscribe? Why would I take this? Why would I need this? Because I had experience where, and I have medical conditions, so I need to know exactly what do you talk, you know, making sure 
that like I go to the doctor with my mom because she won't ask questions, but I will. So she was like, I need you to go with me and no problem because I got questions. Why are you doing this test? What is this for? What is this going to do? You know, and I just recently had to find, I was looking for a primary doctor forever. I just found one that I like and she is an African-American woman. So, so far I really like her. So, cause I was looking like, no, I'll try one. Like, no, you sir, as an Asian man, like, no, I don't care for you. And you, like Angel said, you run in, ask a couple questions, talk about come back in a month. But what, we ain't even did nothing this time. Like, what am I coming back mm-hmm. in a month for? So we can do this uh-huh. all over again? So, uh-huh. No. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think it's a Southern thing, Fee. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to, to Fee's point, I I um I had a male OBGYN. I was young. I had a male OBGYN. My mother had just took me because I guess he was my pediatrician. That's back where your doctor could be everything. You didn't have to go to 50 different doctors. You went to one doctor. So... When I got old enough, I, I felt uncomfortable going to a male because I'm like, I don't, you we don't have the same parts. So I don't feel <laughs> yeah. like your studying is going to equip you mentally to handle what I got going on. I mean, because you mm-hmm. don't have it. <laughs> so I understand you feel like 100% my OBGYN had to be a woman. And then once time started changing and you start noticing like, oh, okay black people are moving around in this medical industry let me find a black ob Uh so yeah i agree i think it's a wonder thing i think with time as time has marched on from my views we're getting involved in a lot more things as black women and black men you know lawyers doctors (laughs) politicians we're getting involved so i like that part about being a black woman and being able to get out there and roar but I feel the same way that you do Fee like I said I don't know if it's a southern thing or not the black doctors here are far in between and they want to hurry up and write you a prescription for something without even checking you and that was my encounter Um, one of my family members and my mother got diagnosed misdiagnosed as diabetics and they immediately put them on insulin only to find out later on for my mom she was never supposed to be on insulin by the time we found out it had affected her kidneys down to two percent that's crazy so it's you know I guess it's the luck of the draw but it got me to thinking about you know how I felt and how I want to really search for African-American doctors not saying that you know everybody's not a great fit and I'm not saying that any other culture isn't but I would I guess I'm saying I'll be happier or more comfortable mm-hmm. with somebody that looked like me and I'll tell you what's so ironic about the situation with me so I'm immediately looking for another you know primary care physician after going through this fiasco with my original primary care and then the fertility doctor and like I said of course at that time the African-American doctors here were few and far between and I ended up finding a doctor it was another male and I was like oh lord so I went to the appointment my initial appointment and I scheduled an appointment just to meet him so he could go over my files and everything so I'm in the waiting room and in comes this very senior white male and in my head I'm thinking oh my god 
what have I done? Here I go again. He looks like he has one foot out of the door, whether it's going to be retirement or bright light, you know, whichever. <laughs> but um, unbeknownst to me, he ended up being, he was the best doctor I've had mm-hmm. because his bedside manner was immaculate. And I could tell that every time I came in, he had already studied my chart that for that day. You could tell he comes in and prepares for the patients he's gonna have. Because every day he would walk, every time I would go and he would walk in that um, examination room, he would go over my complete history. And you know, it might be five or 10 minutes. He'd be like, oh yeah, so this, this. and he'd run it all down and then he'd be ready. Okay, so what are we here for today? And I absolutely loved him. And then, of course, it wasn't very long, maybe a couple of years, and he decided he was ready to retire. Uh Uh-huh. That's usually how it goes when you find one. Yep. (laughs) And like my OBGYN, she was, she's not African-American. You know, she's white, but like I said, having that female. And so I've been with her since before I had kids. And my daughter is 20. She'll be 21 in March, and she's still my OBGYN. Mm. You know, I, I I love her. She's, you know. I think nice. it's us. I think it's also like finding a doctor that's a doctor that's look that's actually trying to make sure that you are okay. Race may not play, play a part. Like race will be beneficial, but I'm sure you may have a black doctor that rushes you in and I'll write uh-huh. you a script. Don't listen. I think it's just more so with other races. But if you happen to find a doctor that comes in and like you said know what's going on with you and can sit there and talk to you and because a lot of doctors don't do that like my primary care physician the first day I saw him he did that and I was like oh I was about to trade you in for real you we are not the same race I didn't think this is gonna work out you know I'm like uh, but then we start sitting there talking and we was talking about regular life stuff and uh, he asked me my concerns and how I felt and things I wanted. I was like, okay, okay, I can keep you on the roster. But, you know, I think it, you kind of know based on how they treat you. So if you come in and, and you like, oh, my arm hurt. Okay, well, let me give you this prescription for some Vicodin and, and mm-hmm. oxycodone. And then you sitting there like, what? <laughs> and I mean, it just hurt today. You know, you don't want to check it out. <laughs> so, right. You don't want no images. I can't, you know, something. Right. Something. Yeah. Just take this and go. Like get over the couch. I know, right? <laughs> then, like you say, always come back in a couple of weeks so we can, you know, see That's how this situation. Right. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, like you're that right. That situation um, is a new bill. <laughs> That's exactly yep. what it is. That's, That's exactly, exactly what, what it is. is. Yep. But, um, Very true. Truth be told, be told, energies don't lie. Like you say, when you get that feel. Yep. You know if they're there for the money or if this is their profession. Now, don't get me wrong. Some of them want that money, and I respect it. Uh-huh. But do you still have passion and compassion, you know, for your job? Right. So, you have a job to perform in order to get the money. It's not a. It's not meant for you to take 50 patients halfway, listen to them, and then just say, okay, we'll see you in two weeks, and we'll get another check. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you, you're, you're, you're a doctor. It's an oath that they take. And, uh, and some of them adhere to it and some of them don't. 
Yeah. You definitely have to be your own advocate in that case. Like, and when you are uncomfortable, you got to be out because I will not. Like, you're not going to, you walk in and you ain't got no questions. You just walk in and walk out. No, I'm not going to continue to give me my money, give you my money. Mm-hmm. And we, ha- we haven't had a conversation or we're not getting anywhere or I'm going to continue coming here and we nothing has changed. Nothing has gotten better. You know, we're dealing with the same issue. When I first came in, like, I'll find somebody until I'm comfortable. Mm-hmm. So, to all your point, that was great. You know, and, and I certainly feel <clears throat> I don't have a black do- doctor other than my uh, heart specialist. But, and I loved my OBGYN I recently had to change. And no disrespect to any of the other cultures out there or races. Like you said, Fee, the things about us became, it's the thing about us. So in doing the Queen's Table Talk, Sometimes I want to talk to people that look just like me. So this is not a dig at any other race, just to put that out there. But sometimes you do want to see someone that looks like you that know we go through different struggles in life than other races. I mean, we all have our different stories. With that being said, my OBGYN, I had lost our loved her last year, but with the healthcare in North Carolina, it's kind of crazy. Like we do the healthcare markets mm-hmm. and the insurance company that I was with, they moved out of North Carolina, basically got ran out of North Carolina because they were paying like 80% of our bills. Mm-hmm. Like the surgeries I had, three back surgeries. I also had the biopsy that we talked about last month fee and I was getting bills for like maybe a hundred and some change but when you seen what the insurance company paid it was in the thousand well they pretty much ran them out and it started me to thinking it's a money game it's a money oh it absolutely you? is absolutely from My the co- top to the bottom and I'm gonna tell you in ways that you don't realize because being a caregiver I have been um, a caregiver for my aunt for almost a year now and she having to go to a nursing home and you know, I'm talking to these case managers and everything. And they give you a list of places to choose from. So I choose these places and then they come back where they've assigned her to a place. And this is the only um, facility that would accept her. Uh Come to find out one of the nurses she ended up having at this facility is somebody that I know personally. Um, and then in, I just so happened to run into her at a friend's birthday gathering a couple weeks ago. And I was like, hey, I, I told my aunt that I saw you. She's so excited. And she let me know basically that they even get paid for referrals. So saying that this is the only place that would accept her, they're getting kickbacks uh-huh. off of all this. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and and it's front. And who would expect? You know, you uh-huh. I get it with doctors saying prescribing you medications because the reps come in and you know you get this and that. But just a general caseworker, as far as referring someone to a facility, you know, it's it's in ways that you wouldn't imagine. And I'm sure it's even deeper than what we know. Uh-huh. Oh, absolutely. I played that whole thing with my with my mom for years me and my sister and the references and even with them taking her whole social security check 
and we would have her in the top of the lawn nursing home and then they'll go oh we can't accommodate her needs here she's not self-sufficient enough but what it was about it was about the amount of her social security check versus their private rooms her own bathroom eventually we ended up having to put her into a home that we didn't really care for which required somebody to be there around the clock making sure she got bathed making sure Mm -hmm. she got dialysis and the amenities getting her hair done and things that we were paying for out of pocket so it i i feel like it is a money game oh absolutely absolutely i feel like it has become one the moment that they said yo one doctor can't treat you for everything is the moment they realize well we can force these doctors to specialize in a specific thing so if we force them when they're going through school to specialize in OBGYN or psychiatry or, or whatever field we force them to go into then we can make more money because now it's not you going to see a regular doctor it's you're going to see a specialist you know so yep. now we can add more dollars to that amount which is no, crazy think about when you specialize the amount of extra time that you have to spend in school so that's why i say it's from the top to the bottom and all it the is. way in between. absolutely yeah, a total a, a, a pyramid you know scheme that's exactly what it is a pyramid scheme yep. And it is and because even if you talk to people in the medical field, when they when they um, run your insurance, they charge you for all kind of things. Have you ever been in a hospital and then look at the bill? If you look at the bill, you, they charge you for anything, even things like I was in the hospital and I take regular medicine. I had my medicine, but I can't take my own medicine. They have to give it to you so that they can charge you for the medicine uh-huh. that you already have. You know, it's, it's all a game. They charge you for everything, aspirin, alcohol. You ask for anything in there, whether you ask for it or not. If they bring it to you, they charge you and your insurance and company for that. We're talking about you're paying $7 per aspirin. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Don't I'm just look at what they're charging you for. Look at how much they're charging you. And God yep. forbid you go in... Um, I went on a weekend, so you see one doctor <laughs> one night. I stayed, I stayed overnight. 25 hours in the hospital. So I'm getting billed from two different doctors because one doctor saw me and then the next day they had a different doctor. You get charged for uh, for the anesthesiologist and then all the anesthesia. Oh, it, you're right. Yep. You're right. All those separate yep. bills I got in the mail with all those surgeries. But look, I, I had a girlfriend. You hated for her to come see you if you had an emergency room visit. But that was her thinking. They charge you for everything. So she everything. had cabinets, putting stuff in her purse. I'm like, don't she come see me. Somebody paid for this. Somebody, look. <laughs> they gonna walk us up out of here and have us in handcuffs. <laughs> but I understood the thinking. I mean, joking, they charge you for absolutely everything. It's like they charge you for the air you breathe. Don't breathe too loud. <laughs> so when they start That's scanning like, something, please know that they have charged your account. Oh, we need so. to scan your rate, your bracelet. We need to, you know. So they charge you for every. I was in the hospital one time, and 
my insurance, like it would, they paid 70% if you wasn't admitted. And once you were admitted, they paid 90%. I was in there for almost two days and they said I was never admitted because they had a specialized area that they, for emergency. So it wasn't wow. upstairs, basically. You didn't go upstairs, so you're not technically admitted. That was a scam. That was a scam. I feel like if you're somewhere so for 24 mad. hours, you should have been admitted. If you were there yeah. over... I can't go home. If you tell yeah. me I cannot go, you know, I am for hospitals. If you tell me I cannot leave, I'm admitted. What, exactly. are, what are we talking about at this point? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I looked at my bill one time. I think it was um, probably after I had my sons because before then I really didn't pay attention. And I'm like, they're like, oh, do you want some more juice? I'm like, yeah, bring all the juice. Bring all the, you know, like bring, bring everything. I looked at the bill. I'm like, what the heck? And I listened. I told my husband, I was like, we about to get so much juice to go. Let me let you know that right now. <laughs> if you charging me this much, I'm getting all of this juice to go. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Right. It's just, it's, it's insane. Crazy the things they charge you for like if 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 you came in there with your own q-tips and your own cotton balls and your own alcohol they won't let you use it they won't let you use it but see my thought process would be like look i'm bringing this so you use this because you can't charge me for that Uh (laughs) they're probably gonna charge you for your own stuff right they're gonna charge you the story we need to store this so we can get right right you're gonna pay the doctor's fee for them administering we we had a counted out and use this little plastic cup you had to use some of our good water to rinse it down and there goes another plastic cup oh here we go that's why they're so friendly when they ask you would you like some more yep (laughs) Make sure you scan it. Right. Piggybacking off what you said, Fee, I thought this was interesting. We were in the middle of, we switched, we had, you know, I guess the renewal for Obamacare. I don't know why I keep saying Obamacare. Healthcare in the health markets uh, is always very like November going into that January, and then you got to pay your copay and all that stuff. When we switched last year to this new company that we're with, the OBGYN is now considered a specialist. And I was like, huh? My last insurance company, my copay was $10. $10 is <laughs> primary, $10 for my OB. So I go flying up in there for my first visit actually a couple months ago. And she's like, oh, you got to pay $50. I was like, $50? I said, what says for my regular care, it's $10. No, no, I think it was $20. She said, no, we're considered a specialist. I said, well, then why on my card does it say 40, but you're telling me 50? Well, your first visit, you got to pay 50. And then we'll bill you for your 40. I said, I'm going to have to go home and regroup. I did not go in there that day. (laughs) Go home and call some people. How bad do I need this? (laughs) Right. (laughs) To see what I need to do. And I told my husband, I said, I don't mind paying a little bit extra monthly, 
simply because we don't have to come out the pocket. I feel like I'm coming out of the pocket with this new insurance for everything. And they well know, and I'm not going to say their name because they ain't going to sue me. I ain't got no money. But (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, for them to be so big, I feel like I'm coming more out of pocket than with my own insurance company, which I had never heard of, which I love. If I knew where they moved, I'd probably move there. I mean, my (laughs) health care, I could go to the doctor and say, I, I broke a fingernail. And they was paying for everything, like, 100%. I would get those bills. I was like, I only owe $10. Let me hurry up and write them a check for this. Right. <laughs> and that's no, why oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, and that's why that company is so big. Right. That's why yep. that company is so big. Mm-hmm. You know, it's people. To your point, we you said now that... You, that the OBGYN is considered a specialist. That's crazy because women has to go to an OBGYN mm-hmm. in order to get certain things checked out. So they should not be a specialist for us. But I, but I believe you when you say that because I remember I had a, um, I had a bladder infection. I called my OBGYN and I said, "Oh, I got a bladder infection. Probably need to come in." Blah blah blah. And this was like after I had my sons and. She said, oh, you're, well, the assistant was like, oh, you're no longer pregnant, right? I was like, no. She was like, okay, so you got to go to your primary care physician. I said, why? That doesn't make sense because you're all things vagina, right? So why am I going to this man that I don't, that I didn't sign up for, you know? She's like, yeah, we don't specialize in that unless you're pregnant. I'm just like, that makes no sense. Like, yes. mm-hmm. you're this a female doctor. I ever you know? heard of it. It, and that might be regional because here, I used to get, I used to even get my annuals with my primary care. The only uh-huh. reason I stopped doing all that is because my PCP is a man. Uh-huh. And so anything, if you got to look at it, I'm going to see my OBGYN because I don't uh-huh. want a strange man in my hoo-ha. Uh-huh. You're right. Uh-huh. <laughs> I agree. That yeah. makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> That's the thing that makes me uncomfortable. (laughs) I have avoided that like the plague, thank God. I don't want no male doctor. I don't care if this is your specialty. Because they hands a little bit bigger. I just just don't. I just don't know how to be gentle. (laughs) They don't know how to be delicate. (laughs) That that just ain't for me. That ain't for the kids. So I prefer female. But then on the flip side of that, I didn't ran into some females that was snooty. Like I was just talking to my sister and she's been switching her diabetic doctor. I don't know what they call them, but she's a diabetic. And she's been switching and she happened to get... Um, a doctor that she didn't care for that looked like us that was a little bit too snooty mm-hmm. and yeah, I said you know I guess it happens in all races all it life. really does yeah. you know yeah. all walks of life well yep. lady I guess I guess I guess we got our thoughts on that no offense to anyone listening that's a doctor that's not black we just trying to get our thoughts out <laughs> we're just trying to figure this healthcare thing we're out just, that's <laughs> right the thing is you know racially we have medical trauma in our history uh-huh. you mm-hmm. know we have trust issues and it's warranted mm-hmm. so uh-huh. not even then, just in our history fee it, recently they 
they're still reporting on how many African and women are African American women are passing during childbirth because of um, insufficient prenatal care, and, and they had doctors. It's not like they did not have doctors. They had doctors uh-huh. that didn't adhere to the warning signs of things that was to happen. So it's uh-huh. still very much so realistic. Uh-huh. But I'm going to tell you even more so than that. There's this there's this black doctor, and I can't think of his name for the life of me, and I wish I could. Because um, follow him on TikTok, and his. Uh-huh. He started as a resident and he used to just talk about the disparities between African-Americans and others when it comes to um, medical treatment, diagnoses and everything. Number one, because a lot of things physically look different on african present differently on African-Americans than they do on white people. And Uh on top of that, they are still teaching misconceptions in school today in medical Uh school. Uh-huh. Like uh-huh. there are people today, whether they are in school and teachers that are still teaching that African-Americans have a higher tolerance for pain. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And if you go like if you go through um, and just look at some of the things that he reports on and shows, it will blow your mind that these things are still happening today. But they are. That's yeah. our reality. Yep. I didn't even know about the white coats, like, you know, the white coat syndrome until a few mm-hmm. years back when my doctor said, and I always get nervous. I don't care. I guess, cause, I mean, not like shaking in my boots nervous, but I always get nervous when it's time to go to the doctor because nobody want to hear anything that they don't want. Yeah. Having, my blood pressure would elevate when I wouldn't have, and you know, I don't have blood pressure problems. And she, they were telling me about the white coats. What is it, syndrome or something? Like you're, you mm-hmm. have a fear of doctors mm-hmm. coming into the room, and it elevates your blood pressure. And I didn't even know that. And, and I was yeah. like, oh, that's something new. Well, I'll tell you what doesn't do me any good when it comes to doctors. You know, like we talked about before, having been diagnosed with a major um, illness, mm-hmm. I'm a hypochondriac now, and that's. Mm-hmm having gone through cancer, like anything that feels wrong or is aching wrong, I'm running to the doctor. When I probably shouldn't sometimes, but mentally when you've gone through that before, it, uh, it, it just, it changes you. And I know that's, you know, that's for me. And so, yeah. Yeah, it does, it does. I mean, during the pandemic when I've had those surgeries, just imagine walking in there and waiting in the waiting room and sometimes for 45 minutes for them to come back and get you to prep you and then you got to do the anesthesia and you know the hubby in the car they wouldn't let <laughs> nobody in and that that's enough to get on your nerves not to have somebody there at least with you in the waiting room well honey let's talk about the fact the very first time i had surgery you talk about anxiety or panic attack when you go into the operating room and they basically lay you on a crucifix. Because <laughs> it's, 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 it's literally sure though, right? <laughs> like, Are y'all serious right now? Yeah. yeah. I'll be the first time I had the first time I had there in the middle of one though. <laughs> what? That was scary. Yeah, that was scary. Because <laughs> uh, I woke up, I was. I had surgery. I was um, I was out, and I remember waking up, and I heard the nurse 
and um, the anesthesiologist, they were talking. They weren't looking at me. They were talking to each other. And I, and I heard them say something. And I said, whatever she said, I repeated it. And she looked at me and her eyes got big. Mm-hmm. And she gave me some more medicine and put me back out. But I remember waking up and, you know, I was covered. Like, all I could see is her. Like, everything else was covered. But it was, like, so surreal to wake up, like, uh, what the heck is going on? And, right. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah I had a, and I had a bad experience like that. Um, just as small I had carpal tunnel surgery. Super small surgery. Uh-huh. They don't put you to sleep. Mm-mm. They give you anesthesia so you don't feel it, but you're awake the whole time. Did not. Uh. That was not a good experience. I literally, I think I literally lay there and cried the whole time. Yeah, you feel it. You feel the the pushing and the pulling, and you hear those sounds, the clipping, the snapping, the cutting, all of that. No, no, that was bad. No, yeah, that sounds horrible. Jeez. Yeah. That, yeah, that I'm weird. I would have been good. all in. Like, well, let me see. <laughs> I would have been like, can you put me to sleep? I know that wasn't the plan, but I feel like I need to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that's right. Yes, man. Great conversation, ladies. Good to hear your thoughts. It's good to hear your thoughts on this. So let, let's, let's lead up to my next question. What are your thoughts on the state of Black women in today's society? I know... V and I have had many conversations and I am very opinionated, but I always like to hear other women's thoughts because maybe it could help me understand a little bit better. (laughs) Angel, we'll start with you. State of black women. Oh God. Um, Okay. I feel like it's, um, with the representation in certain circles, <laughs> I'm trying to word this right. I feel like the depiction of black women is not giving a good example for the young girls that's looking up to these people that have been thrown in the spotlight as a representation for a black woman, especially when you're young and you don't know how to discern the difference between what you see on TV and the background of these people versus this is a celebrity, I should look up to them. So if you don't know how to separate that thought process, I feel like a young girl needs way better role models than what's out here. <laughs> I'm just I didn't want to list nothing. I just, I was trying to say it correctly. I didn't want to oh, like throw gosh. any artists under the bus or anything. But in reality, like, I, I walk past this group of young girls and I'm just listening to what they're rapping, and I'm like, y'all don't even know what y'all are saying for real. Because if you knew what you were saying, you wouldn't be saying it. So, I think we need to do better in that in that aspect. I do. Yeah. I think that. The, the current state of some parents could do better when we say role models, but I do think we got some great role models out there. I mean, yeah, that's what nice I was going to say. President. They're there. Yeah, they're just not being seen, um, <laughs> like, you know, putting in the forefront for these young girls to see that the representation is there. They're just in the background or it's 
it's not something that it's not popular opinion. The thing that they we should be showing them is not popular opinion. So they're more leaning towards the negative, which is so unfortunate. And if we did have better, you know, representation at home before they even get to schools, you got to show, you know, your kids who they should be working, striving to be, so that when they get to school, they know who they are. And it, it makes it so much easier. If you're waiting on society to teach your kids, we're never succeed. No, and I'm gonna say we have good representation. We have some good representation because here recently, the black woman, especially, you know, politics, etc. We have some strong women who are doing some big things. But like you said, we also have that other narrative that's being pushed, you know, um, with our African-American women's, uh, women in hip hop or the reality TV. The problem is the young generation, they are not, and I'm, I'm speaking generally, the, our younger generation, they're not watching the news to see what's going on you know, with our world. They're focused on social media and entertainment. So the you images know. that they're getting are not the images that they are the same that we're getting, but we're getting more of a balance than what they're getting. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I think doing I think I saw more positive images via social media and in my surroundings when Michelle Obama mm-hmm. and Barack was in the White House. We actually as people was representing our culture because we didn't want it their legacy to be tainted. I feel like we were a little bit more mindful of who we, what we did and what we put out there during those eight years. I think they gave us more sense of pride because here we Mm -hmm. had uh, a power African-American couple who, it it was like almost the Cosby shows all over, but in Mm -hmm. real life. Right. And so, Hey, feeling proud, we held our shoulders back a little, and we stood a little bit taller mm-hmm. because, hey, look at us. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And that's the top. Like, there's nothing beyond that point. If you can get to right. that point, you can, you know, you can do whatever. You can do anything. And we're yeah. talking about the epitome of class with zero scandal for how many years? And they tried, honey. They tried. They, oh, they, they was looking. They was trying deep. to make it up. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Yes, ma'am, and and they could find nothing. They couldn't, and it hurt them so bad. I I feel like, you know what, I feel like at home, uh, okay, I feel like if you have a a parent in the house that's actually raising your children, then, yeah, they're going to know about all of the things that's hidden behind the social, the things you have to dig dig for in social media. (laughs) But if you don't have a parent at home raising then their only thing to look at is what's in the forefront of social yep. media. And unfortunately, uh-huh. what's in the forefront, because we had eight years of excellence being in the forefront, so you saw more positive things, more positive Black people doing things, Black women succeeding here and there. But now, after those eight years, it's like, okay, no, we want you to look at this narrative, so we're going to push this narrative yep. in the front. Uh-huh. So... I want you to scroll through all this dysfunction 
and uh-huh. and pretend as if this is the reality of the black woman because that way we could keep you from striving to be better in this background social media that you have uh-huh. to dig for to find and it's unfortunate you know it, it's really unfortunate and i really wish sometimes the women that are being pushed in the forefront would think like who's looking looking at them and try to represent themselves a little bit better uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. I totally if they agree. went out there believing that they were role models from the get-go, it would be so much easier to, yeah. you know, represent yourself as a role model. Like go out with that mindset that these kids are watching, no matter what you're doing. Just always thinking that kids are watching, so you and you mm-hmm. want what's best for them. But and I can't really pinpoint one. It's no. so many, mm-hmm. from the reality stars to the hip hop to now some of the content creators are more famous or have more followers than a regular actress or actor so you can't really pinpoint one but piggybacking off what you said angel if they're more mindful of what they put out there everybody has a bad day victoria j she's known as i'm gonna preach the gospel and don't let me get in there i'm gonna try to save you too (laughs) but i have a bad day we all are flawed. I will have my bad days. I might slip up and curse and hope that nobody see it in public, but I'm not gonna apologize for it because right. we're human. We are human and we all have bad days. One bad day I don't feel like makes you uncredible. But when you keep putting that false narrative out there that these girls can look like this, it's okay to be independent and make your money a certain way or do certain things or not even curb your vocabulary. We are we were not meant to be men. So vulgarness coming from us and this is what our young ladies are looking up to and it's the norm. And if you are talking like we are talking now, we're the outsiders. We we're we're the ones that don't fit. We're the ones that don't make any sense to them because all this stuff has become the norm. Yeah. Taking out the trash. I wish we could just take out some of that stuff. I am fashion by all means. Clothes, hair, nails, lashes. I'm for all that. But be authentic. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Be authentic about what you do and how you do it. Everything in moderation. That's just how I feel. Everything in moderation. You can be who you are. I think a lot of us, we take on other people's personalities. Yeah. I think I was saying um, when I did the first Queen's Table Talk coming into 50 has made me, I'm rediscovering myself all over again without kids but I'm not gonna take on anybody else's personality. If anything, I think it's made me bolder in the things that I do, a little bit more outspoken. You remember, Fee, how your parents used to say, you know, you get a certain age, I can say do what I wanna do. But (laughs) they said that, and it was cute and all, but they still were respectful. You know what I'm saying? You weren't gonna have your 67 year old grandma walking around trying to take shake a tail feather <laughs> climbing up the pole you know like what I'm saying? <laughs> back then 
Right. <laughs> the grannies of TikTok now. Mm-mm. They will show you something. Let's convey 40. <laughs> but how much money can we realistically make, though, guys? That was another question. I mean, I'm all for social media when it's used in the right way. I got a TikTok. I got two Facebooks and a group and Instagram. But how many of us are actually going to get that following where we can start making that money off of those reels and stuff? I think off my Facebook, I made two cents this month. And I wasn't even doing it. That's what they sent me a statement, y'all, for two cents. And did they did they put in the comments not ratchet enough? Weren't ratchet yeah, enough. Right. Maybe if you would have yeah. twerked for five minutes, you could have got more than two cents. <laughs> the thing is, it's sure not that. even it's not even for money. It's attention yeah. seeking. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. On social media, you can be whatever and whoever you present yourself to be. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's, we all know that that's different than what the reality of things are. So it's not even about the money. It's about the attention. It's, you know, we always joke, but it literally is about the likes. Oh, absolutely. And sometimes the more negative it is, the more follows or likes and comments you get, the better you feel. And so it continues and it gets worse instead of better. I will say this though it seems like it's been more black couples like married couples and family representation that's like that than I've seen before since I've been on social media it seems like you're getting way more of that that representation representations like fathers in the home even if the mother and the father are not no longer together you you have all these reels with fathers with their children on their own time you didn't have to force them so that's Uh actually uh a positive thing that Uh yeah absolutely is out there i've seen a lot of that too Uh, that i am very proud of i'm very proud especially in our african-american community to see so many single dads stepping up to the plate Mm -hmm. and they're showing it through mm-hmm. social media. They're showing it through activities in your regular lives that is not on social media platforms. So I'm I'm very proud of that fact. It, of exactly, that. especially with the stigma of being associated with black men as being deadbeats. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Right. Forever. Y'all don't even stay home to take care of y'all kids. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So to see that narrative turned around, you can only hope, can only hope and pray that this narrative mm-hmm. But this representation turns around at some point. <laughs> yeah. One thing about social media, it can't be controlled necessarily by mainstream media so that the narrative yeah. that the media is pushing out to, to our society about African-Americans and about the state of black family and about black fathers. Um, if you get on social media, you see the reality mm-hmm. of what's going on because they can't control that, you know, narrative. And so yep. I like that. I agree with what you say, because you are, you can see more of that. Mm-hmm. It makes a difference, too. I'm glad you brought that up, Angel, because I didn't really think about that. But we have seen a lot. I mean, even in my immediate circle, a lot of our men are stepping up to the plate, taking mm-hmm. care of the children, when for so long it was flipped we were the single mothers. Yep. You know, I had my run mm-hmm. at being a single parent, as well as I do see a lot of couples trying a little bit more to stay 
together. They're actually fighting for those relationships and trying to bring something positive in. Unfortunately, like we said last month, it's a lot of good out there, but a lot, I guess, as I was thinking about that fee, the lot of good, that's why it's good. They're not plastered all over social media so we don't get to see the good stuff. Most of social media is tainted by all the bad behavior wanting to put on a persona of something or someone that you're not. So it's out there. I wish we could shine more light on it. But, you know, as my girl would say, Sarah Jakes Roberts, that's my girl, y'all. One can chase okay. 1,000, 10 can chase 10,000. If we all get together, like what we're doing now, maybe it'll impact lives. Yeah. But this has been a great conversation. This has been a great conversation. I got one last question for each individual, you guys, and I'm going to let you go. What do you think that we can do collectively or individually to help with some of these challenges that we face in the Black community? Instead of just, like, I feel like I complain about a lot of stuff. (laughs) Instead of getting out there rolling up my sleeves, which I have, that has been a part of my bucket list, is getting into the community like this election. I'm going to be out there, whether I'm just registering people. I haven't figured out what I wanted to do, but I want to roll up my sleeves and be out there. Yeah. Number one way is how we carry ourselves. Number one, because regardless of what you say, people are watching what you, you know, how you present yourself and what you do. Actions speak a lot, a lot louder than words. Number two, mentorship in whatever way that works for you, whether it whether it be you find somebody or, you know, to take under your wing, you know, to mentor and help mold them, teach them, whether it be through a program, community service. I always say, if you are living your life day to day, just taking care of you, and you are not helping someone um, in a way that is not beneficial to you. And when I say that, helping someone that has nothing where you're not getting a kickback, you know, if it's not just a family member. I mean, and we can mentor people in our families that don't have that. But help somebody that doesn't have somebody to to mentor everybody should be living your life for others in one way or another and like I said it doesn't have to be a large scale whatever fits your life but find a way to give back I and I will always say I would not be the person I am today had it not been for other people who were reaching back I have benefited in more ways than one for people who were giving back to the community in one way or another. So how could I, having been a little girl living in the projects, who's now an educator with more than one college degree, not give back in whatever way? So just find some way to, to donate time to others, to mentor somebody in some way. 
best dancing. You almost yeah, brought I love that. girl. That was real. Good. <laughs> you know, I just think about it. I think about my life and just the opportunities. It didn't have to be me. Yep. Uh-huh. It was me and it had to be me for a reason. Uh-huh. I kind of have to acknowledge what I'm going take... through now. Yeah. Love I have what about you, Angel? Oh, you want me to follow that? Okay. I was like, ooh, <laughs> that was deep. You know, let me think of something. <laughs> you know? um, I would say be the best person that you can be. And, um, like, put put positive narratives out instead of negative. Like, be if you do something... If you do something great, don't do it just for social media to take the picture and share it. Like, do it because it's genuinely in you to do that. You know what I'm saying? And to feed off of what Fee said, I will also add, like, like she said, somebody, um, somebody paved the way for her to to get to where she needed to be. Like, when you get to that place in your life or wherever it is you're trying to go, don't forget about your your sisters behind you or your brothers, you know. Help them be their best self if they're open to it. So, I would say just try to be the best you and represent the best that you can be. I always believe that you should be intentional with what you're doing. Like if you're doing something, do it for a purpose. Don't just randomly do things. Um, And like he said, a lot of people helped me get to where I am. Like I could have went a whole different direction based on where I come from. So I like that giving back to the community and helping people, you know, like you were helped because there's so many people that could use support or even if you feel like you don't have anything to give, there's always something that you can do for others that you might think is nothing, which would mean to be the world to them. So be intentional with what you're doing and give back to the people around you and near you. I guess for me is my new journey, you know, turning my life back over to Christ, looking at, at the young generation. And I used to be that girl without the social media, without the attention grabber, but I always wanted attention, but in a whole different way. In the 80s and 90s, it was different. We carried pagers and stood by <laughs> the phone booth. We didn't have all these things to contend with. And when I see the younger girls not that I didn't have family. I had a wonderful family support come from a very wonderful family. I wanted to be the oddball out. I wanted to be the black sheep and do what everybody else was doing. And now that I look at my life, I want to be the one to say to that young lady or young man, I used to be you. And it's not that great when you get to be a certain age. It is not that wonderful. Those people that you are mimicking, they will leave you high and dry and leave you holding the bag if you get in trouble. Or they'll be the first one to talk about you behind your back. And when you get to be my age, they're going to act like they don't even know you. (laughs) So be yourself. Be the best that you can be. And if you have a family as wonderful as mine that tried to pour into me, um, embrace that embrace that i thank god that they never gave up on me and they when i was ready to change they embraced who i was as 
a young lady and helped me get to the path that I am now. So it breaks my heart to see a lot of the dysfunction that we see out here on the social media pages. But I love me some me. I love taking pictures and all that stuff. I love me some me. And it's okay to love yourself more than love the outside world, I would say. Yeah. Almost mandatory. Yes. Absolutely. It is almost <laughs> mandatory. <laughs> well, ladies, kicking it with your girls. Thank you so much for taking for some time us. out of your schedule, Queens, to come and chop it up with my girl, me and me and Fee. Where can we Thank find you for allowing you us to join you? You're yeah. welcome. You're welcome. You're always welcome back. Where can we find you guys? Give us all your socials and and, and not just social security, not just social security. <laughs> See, it, 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 it's so many different platforms, you know, so we just keep it simple. You can go to kickingitwithyourgirls.com and find all of our social media and everything over there. And of so. course, Miss Fee, the ha- one half of the things about us, the queen herself. Genre, please. <laughs> <laughs> I am the queen here without my king, but uh, together we are the Thing About Us podcast, and you can find us on all uh, streaming platforms, Good Pods, uh, Apple Podcasts, Apple Music, Spotify, and so on and so forth. We also have like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok as well. Well, y'all know where to find 12th Street Talk Back. We're everywhere, but <laughs> preferably go to our beautiful new website, 12streettalkback.com. You don't have to put in www.dot or https, just 12streettalk.com, as well as all of these shows will be linked in the description below. If you are in the listening audience, please rate these shows. Don't just give them a star, listen to their stuff. Give them comments, rate the show, say something, even if this one word. We are independent podcasters and your support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, peace and blessings to everyone. I'm trying, y'all. <laughs> I was looking at Fee. She was frozen with a smile. I was like, let me do the same thing. Let me do right, I'm trying to wait. <laughs> like, oh, What's up, guys? It's your girl, Victoria J. from 12th Street Talk Back, where transparency is our love language. You guys know transparency is very important to me because I believe it's the key to communication as well as bridging the gap in our community. Bridging the communication gap amongst our generation has been near and dear to my heart for a very long time. I've been working feverishly to spark the heart conversations in our community. As the world changes People change, things change, and life experiences change us. Sometimes it can be hard to express yourself to the ones you love. We all suffered during the pandemic, some more than others. Emotions can be like a roller coaster. That's why I'm grateful to BetterHelp. Thank you, BetterHelp, for sponsoring this episode.
BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it is 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling, flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash 12th Street. That's Better. H-E-L-P dot com slash 12th Street. I've also linked them below in the description. Let's bridge the communication gap together. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. I receive commissions for referral to BetterHelp. 